Welcome to the Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altruist. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Our guest today is Susan Furuta. She's currently the Chief Executive Officer for Helping Hands Hawaii and has over 25 years of experience in operations specializing in organizational change, total quality management, human resources, and pro- program development in retail, hospitality, and nonprofit industries. Susan was born and raised on Ever Plantation in a close-knit immigrant community that was not only unique, but an important part of Hawaii's history. She's worked in Los Angeles and on Kauai before returning to her home on Oahu. Susan, welcome. It's so nice to see you. Thank you so much, Joe, for having me. You have quite a diversified career path. And it's no surprise, I think, probably to anyone who knows you, that you've ended up as Chief Executive Officer at Helping Hands Hawaii doing almost every single thing that is in that organization. <laughs> is Helping Hands one of those one of those uh, nonprofits where it's all hands on deck all the time? It sure is. You know, Helping Hands has really called to me, and I think that this is why I've been there for so long. You know, uh, I've been there over 20 years, and there's a diverse amount of programming and services that they cater to the community. And so I think that has always been part of my upbringing as well and being close to the communities that I've grown up in. So it's just natural for me to have been there. Were you always drawn to sort of community-based work? I mean, to observing, you know, how people work. Your degree is in uh, human development from the University of Hawaii. Was that something that just always interested you, how people work? Yes. Uh, You know, I got my degree and I had a lot of hopes to utilize that in L.A. So I lived in Los Angeles for some time. And then when I got there, I think I was shell-shocked, you know, being from a very country calm, very, you know, real reserved type of lifestyle going to a big metropolis like Los Angeles was a huge opening experience. And so I basically started just working in uh, big business. So I was working for an insurance um, company, Alexander and Alexander, a subsidiary of them. And then uh, when we moved back home, you know, we really wanted to come home. I missed home so much. And so, you know, it was really fate, I think, that led us to live in Lihue on Kauai. And there we spent like one other generation of life on the plantation. You know, so my husband was able to help Amphac Sugar with Lihoi operation, uh, Lihoi and Kekaha Mill operations. And so I was real embedded in that community as well. And then we had moved over to Oahu. So I think, yes, it, it, it is really called to me and, and I'm really drawn to Helping Hands because of its community efforts and the fact that there's the immigrant population that we also serve through one of its programs, Bilingual Access Line. And that program is really unique. It's been around since 1985. It started off with just a couple of people doing interpreting in the community to help folks access critical resources. And so now we have about 45 interpreters, but we can access 
up to 200 different languages. Um, and we offer that through video remote, phone, and in-person services. So it's been great to be able to connect back with my family's immigrant roots as well. Joining them together. Correct. Coming in a nice circle. Can you tell us, let's go a little bit deeper into Helping Hands and and what you do and who you serve and how you do it in the community. Because as you say, you have had such a long time with the organization. You know it inside out. Give us an insight into, you know, how how you operate. So Helping Hands has three different segments of the op- of the population that it serves. One is the immigrant community, like I had mentioned, through Bilingual Access Line. And the other two are uniquely different as well. So the low-income individuals and families in our community uh, receive services through our community clearinghouse. And the community clearinghouse is about a 9,700-square-foot warehouse that sits on our property. We engage every day with donor families in the community, and they will provide us with gently used items in their household that they want to turn over and give a second life to those items to a family that's in need of them. So a mattress, for example, is one of the hottest items that we're looking for, um, mattresses and couches and things like that. Um, for a struggling family that is on the brink of homelessness or that they're um, in the low-income segment of our community, they often cannot afford to purchase those things on their own. And they do rely on donor families like us, right, to to be able to pass that along to them. So we do that for free. So that service... So every part of it is free. You drop off your things for free. People come in and choose what they want for free. So the whole... It's not like a store where you go and buy gently used furniture or clothing. Correct. Correct. So now that's one area during the pandemic. You know, we can't get away from talking about business and the pandemic. But one area that just was booming was people, you know, the donations stopped. People stopped taking donations. They shut down all the charity shops. I mean, it was you couldn't give away things. Was that something that affected you or were you able to keep on receiving goods? And do you still to this day? Because I can guarantee there's a lot of people listening who are going to say, we are coming over to find you to donate. Yeah. You know, I think that was really tough for us during the pandemic. We were scared. We weren't sure what was coming in. And we could not protect our families that we serve. Um, And so we needed to shut down our intake of goods for a few months. And when we found our way to be able to handle materials and household items like, you know, cutlery or or furniture, clothing, in a safe manner, we did open back up. And it was on a limited basis, but we were very proud to be able to continue that via, you know, that very important service to the folks that were still in need. Uh, what we saw too in our partnerships with other businesses out there was that we have a range of, uh, people who want to donate. So not just families like yourself, but 
also business families, they were really so generous and wanted to help out in so many ways, despite the fact that they themselves were struggling. And we thought that that was just so so precious, you know, in our community. And so we felt that we needed to be there for everybody. Um, so anyway, that was one of the one of the highlights of what we were able to do. We never shut down completely. Good, Good to know. So that's two arms of what Helping Hands does. And the third one is? So uh, alongside with the Clearinghouse, though, we do have seasonal projects through the Clearinghouse. One is during the summer and each summer called Ready to Learn. That was a Senator Inouye initiative that he transferred over to Helping Hands. But we've always held it there and managed it there. We we also run that campaign of school supply drive uh, with a lot of business partners. So... Um, you know, I'm not sure if I could say them all, but you know, we basically do have some very regular annual uh, donors and contributors to that program. We also have a winter time program, so the holiday support that we give to families, where we connect a hundreds of families directly with a donor family in the community, whether the donor family is like your family or a business family. And so we uh, always look forward to to doing that because it's a one-to-one matching that we do that's unique to Helping Hands Hawaii. And so, you know, it, it's quite common to help anywhere from 500 to 700 families every year. We can help out in a very large way. In a very specific way. So a yes. family will ask, they will say, we actually need these things. And the donor family will say, okay, that's what we're going to go and get for you. Yeah. A super efficient way of giving. Yes. And so the donor family will go out, purchase those items. They'll gift wrap it, put lots of little love notes and things like that in there. And then we uh, make sure that the family receives that before Christmas. I and think one of the way your projects reach the community is because they're very relatable like there's nobody who could say no to school supplies for children right it's a very easy give you make it easy to donate you make it attractive for people to donate and I think it's the same way too with the holiday helping hands with the families it's like it's simple to kind of adopt a family I've you know we've done it before and you know our family, you do feel like you're sort of adopting someone and you you know those children on Christmas morning are opening something that they actually wanted or the family have the food that they asked for or the clothing that they needed. It is a very effective way of marketing and reaching the Hawaii community. Yeah, and you know, growing up right in the community where your neighbor helps your neighbor and and we live aloha, this is one really wonderful way to engage the entire community, but in a in a big impactful way. So we love the fact that we're able to connect our community with those families that are in the community who are in need. The other way that we do that too is through our SNAP outreach program. And SNAP outreach really is a way for our community to get connected with those types of food benefits. So our outreach workers will go into the different parts that uh, have trouble maybe connecting via technology. Maybe they don't have technology or are seniors that don't 
necessarily get out very much or maybe have mobility or disability type of um, situations. And so our outreach providers comb all of Oahu and we uh, go to wherever the need is. We're, we're most often at like food distribution lines. We're going to different events. We're seeking um, uh, support from homeless providers to be at their homeless outreach events. And so that's how we connect with folks. And then, of course, the last population that we also assist is the adults with serious mental illness. And we do so by providing representative payee services. So what we like to say is that we are keeping these folks stable, right, in the community by helping them and their benefits that they receive from Social Security disability income by ensuring that their rent is paid on time every month, their utilities are paid, they have their phone bill paid, and other kinds of things. You know, we will work with their case manager and with the consumer, and we develop a basic budget for them. So that way, we keep that in mind as to what their essential needs are, and also to really help promote um, a savings for them so that they have something to rely on. Say there's auntie's birthday that they want to request some monies from us to um, make sure that they get on time. So that's also one of the things that we do as well. We had a larger behavioral health presence in years past. Um, but, you know, right now we have a, a program called Representative Payee Services, and that's been part of our services for over 20 years. That's such an important thing, isn't it? Because those life, uh, essential life services, like simple things like paying your electricity bill and your water bill and your phone bill, uh, you know, for most of us in the community, it's just second nature. We know that we have to do that. But if you do have challenges and if you are mentally challenged these things can just run away with you and before you know it you're you're so much in debt you can't pay bills and then you're homeless so it's it's really amazing as I'm listening to you speak Susan I'm just trying to imagine how many people do all of this work what's the staffing at Helping Hands Hawaii how many strong are you Right now, we have about 75 employees. That doesn't seem half enough to do no. all the work you've described. And you know what, Joe? I would say about 45 of them, so more than half, are actually on-call interpreters that are out in the community. And then I have another um, three or four, you know, outreach type of workers out in the community. So on any given day in, on property, there's probably around 20 to 25 staff. And it's a fairly large property, you know, so it's it's quite a challenge at times to be able to run all sorts of uh, the operations and be of, you know, service. Uh, we are there Monday through Friday. We are open on some Saturdays as well. And then during the holiday season every year, we go into extended hours. You do so much. And I know that we wouldn't have time to go into all your responsibilities on a daily basis. But you also bring kind of an effortless sort of cheerfulness and enthusiasm and optimism to what you do. Do you think that that's directly related to growing up on the plantation in Eva and to being in a community where 
it's just part of life that you help other people. It's what we're here for. I do. I I strongly feel that when you are raised that way and you have just a love for being neighborly and being good to each other, it starts from there. And so, I, I mean, I do appreciate that, you know, we do look at things very hopefully, and that's the kind of message that we want to inspire our families with, is that sometimes families go through different struggles during whatever, you know, parts of their life. That's just how life is. And um, we're there for people. We do want to inspire hope and that a way for the community to get stronger is by encouraging and engaging the rest of the community to be able to support each other. So that's sort of that, I think, mantra that we always share on on our property. <laughs> so we're coming up to the holidays, the time of year where we are all thinking about our own families and other families who are less fortunate. What can we do as a community? Where can we most help you in this still very challenging time? So people who are in their cars right now or sitting at their desks listening to this podcast, how can they directly contribute to making sure that this Christmas of 2021 is a good one for you? We would love for the entire community to get on board and to be able to give as much as they can to their neighbors to get them through some of life's struggles. And for us, you know, the easiest way is to be a part of our newsletter gang. You know, if they, um, if the listeners could go onto our website and click on subscribe. To our newsletter and also and that's just, just helpinghandshawaii.org. Dot org, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we rely a lot on contributions and donations from the community to help us pay for the hands that really support our neighbors, our friends and neighbors. And so we, we really um, strongly appreciate that kind of level of support. Um, and if people want to get involved in any of our program services, there's other ways that they can help as well. You know, being a volunteer with our organization or, or other ways of just being a part of what we do. So go to the website, helpinghandshawaii.org, and you'll find out ways that you and your company can help this amazing organization. Susan, it was so uh, lovely to chat with you. And I'm sure there's many people like me who just think, how do you do all of this on a daily basis? Congratulations on the work that you do. And we wish you lots of success and community support uh, moving forward to the end of the year and beyond. Susan Furuta is the Chief Executive Officer for Helping Hands Hawaii. And she joined us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone out there. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altruist. Join us next time for more stories behind Hawaii's business.